0: If you're a stepmom, chances are it's been challenging. You've experienced emotions that you didn't see coming. You've felt like you have no control over your life, like you're good enough until you're not. Maybe you're not on the same page as your partner when it comes to kids and the ex. Maybe you're triggered by the ex. Maybe you feel helpless because you want to protect your partner, but you're learning that you can't fix what you didn't break. Stepmoms often struggle to find their place. They find themselves in this place of competition and comparison and resentment and feeling overwhelmed. I'm not trying to be negative. I hear this from stepmoms every single day. I've also felt this way myself until one day I made the decision that this was not going to be my life. Chances are you don't want to feel this way either, but you don't know where to start. That's where I come in. I created a guide for stepmoms who are craving change. It's an audit on your step family life with 16 questions that I think that every single stepmom should ask themselves. If you answer the questions honestly and give this audit the time and attention it deserves, it will kickstart change that you're looking for. You can download it via www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash stepmom audit. When you do, I'll send you the links for some other free guides too. I've got the secret to improving your step family life and how to co parent with a high conflict ex. Again, Get your copy at www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stepmom audit. Hello, hello, welcome, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm not great at intros. Sometimes I'm like, what the heck do I even say? Um, so, yeah, I'm not even going to start that over. This is how we are rolling today. So, guys, this is a solo episode, it is just me. And to be honest, Maybe this is why I'm off my game, but solo episodes aren't really my favorite thing. I find them a little awkward, and I i don't know, I always avoid sitting down and recording them, but I think today's going to be a good one. I'm really excited to share what I'm about to share with you guys today, and it's an important conversation that I think we all really need to be having, especially right now with all of the things going on in the world and all of the pressure and I don't need to get into it because you're living it too. So I'm diving into self-care and what that looks like for me. And you know, I don't really love the word self-care anymore, to be quite honest. It has been overused and abused, and it's become this buzzword. And I feel like buzzwords in our society kind of start to lose all meaning. Kind of like epic. It used to mean something, like the definition of epic is like heroic, 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 like a hero and legendary. And now people are like, oh, I just had an epic lunch or a, an epic blog post or I had an epic weekend. Like everything is epic. Like it's not actually epic. The word's losing its meaning. And you know what? There's other words that bug me like that. If you have any, shoot me a message on Instagram. Cause I love chatting about them. But again, self-care, I feel like it, yeah, it has lost, lost the meaning. It just, it just doesn't have the same ring to it as it used to, but it is the word. So people often ask, what is your self-care routine? Like, what is your routine for self-care? And, you know, for me, it's not a routine. It's not something that I do rigidly every day. Like this is my self-care routine. And I think that we need to get out of the belief that it needs to be a routine because that word almost makes me feel like it's something that we need to add to our to-do list. And like, you know, as if we need to add one more thing to our to-do list, one more thing to feel pressure about. And for me, and hopefully after this episode, for you, self-care won't become a routine. It won't, or maybe it will become a routine, but it, it won't feel like a to-do. It won't feel like something you have to do. It will just become this mindset and this way of life and this belief system. I'm in the mindset that taking care of myself is a priority and a necessity for thriving in life. You know what? Thriving. That's one of those words. I hate using the word thriving now because, again, it's become the buzzword and I feel like everyone says thrive and it's starting to lose lose meaning too. So I'll add that one to the list. But For me, self-care just isn't about scheduling a massage or having a morning coffee without the kids, you know, hanging off you or needing anything from you or journaling before all the kids wake up or getting a facial when I need it. And those are all things that I do. But for me, self-care is about protecting my mental health, my energy, taking care of my anxiety, striving to do what I need to do to feel balanced and checking in with myself and prioritizing myself and... Not feeling bad about it. Not having to convince myself not to feel bad about it. Now, before I dive into what self-care looks like for me, I want to address this trend in conversations about self-care, especially online or on mother blogs or whatever. There's just all of these, again, it's just the pressure. There are countless posts and talks about how self-care isn't about just showering or washing your hair or getting your nails done because people will say that's self-care. And it's like people say that online and then they almost get attacked or judged because that's not the way self-care should be. People will say, well, that's just maintenance or whatever, which I get. But you know what? Self-care can be whatever the hell you want it to be. You shouldn't ever feel like you're not doing it right. And those are the conversations that people are having right now. It's like self-care isn't for moms, isn't just having a shower and blow drying your hair. That's not what self-care is. You're not doing it right. No one should be told they're not looking after themselves, right? Like we all have to do what feels right for us. Maybe self-care for you is blow drying your hair and getting dressed. Maybe in the stage of life that you're in or the dynamic of your family, Getting that hot shower or taking time to blow dry your hair does feel like self-care. No one should tell you that that's not self-care. I don't agree with people shaming people about their self-care routine. It's just ridiculous. And the internet and all the experts are like, you need to do self-care. You need to practice self-care. I know I keep saying the word self-care over and over again, but make sure you're taking care of yourself. And then they're all like, yeah, you're not doing it right. (laughs) It's just, I don't know, it's just become this unattainable thing. So here's what I want to say. Self-care is whatever the F you want it to be, whatever feels good for you, period. It is about taking care of yourself and not conforming to the latest definition on like the mom blog or the Instagram feeds. Like you get to decide. This is especially true and important if you found yourself in a space where you're giving and giving and giving where you're striving for perfection or you're trying to live up to something or you're a bit of a control freak and are trying to keep your hands on everything that's happening in your home so that nothing goes wrong and you kind of, you know, are a control freak. If you're a control freak, you know what I'm saying. Maybe you've been dealing with some deep-rooted insecurities about your worthiness and have issues and you've been compensating in a way that you show up for your family in a certain way. Maybe you're, you're trying to overcompensate. Maybe self-care and prioritizing your health and wellness hasn't been a priority for you at all. And you're just starting to get to a place mentally because it is a mindset where you take care of yourself and you take yourself off the back burner. You don't need anyone telling you that you're not doing it right. I think that a woman's relationship with self-care is ever evolving. And the things that I used to do for myself don't work for me anymore. What my self-care looked like two years ago is not what it looks like right now. It doesn't feel like self-care anymore. Things that I thought I needed once upon a time don't feel like a priority. They shift. For me, self-care is about embracing that evolution. So whether you're in a season of life where self-care comes from doing a hair mask and fully washing and blow-drying your hair versus just another body shower and laying on the deodorant and dry shampoo, or it's meditating for an hour and journaling your heart out under a big tree in the forest... You get to be the expert on your own life. You get to decide what you need. The key here is that you need to tap into what you need and listen to yourself. This was such an interesting episode for me to plan out because although self-care is ingrained into my blueprint, I've never really dove into what it actually looks like. And in doing so, I realized that it has changed, like I said, so much over the years so today, this is what self-care looks like for me. I've listed about seven things, beliefs, habits, whatever you want to call them, that I prioritize in order to take care of myself. Maybe this will inspire you to you know, adapt some similar mindset, some similar belief systems, some similar habits, or maybe it won't. Again, what works for me may not work for you, but I think it really comes down to Being true to yourself and realizing that it's totally okay to do what you need to be at your best. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great, but as a 26 year old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. All right, so the first thing that I really want to encourage other people to do and things that I do is I ask for help. I am big on protecting my energy. I talk a lot about this in my membership, the exclusive stepmom community, and I've written a lot about it in our online magazine, but I haven't talked a lot about it on here. My energy is number one. I have learned to pay attention to when I start to feel depleted or even resentful. When I'm feeling overwhelmed or feel like everything is on me and I can't get ahead, I've learned to stop and ask for help. Often as women, we get frustrated and resentful, feeling like everything is on us. No one is helping. No one sees what needs to be done. They walk by the pile of laundry. They walk by the dishes in the sink. And we're often like, why do I have to do it all? When in reality, it's because we put it on ourselves. We've always done it. We've created this expectation and this precedent, and we don't ask for help. You decide how you allow people to treat you. You decide what you will and will not do. You have set the precedent. My family does not think or prioritize the way that I do. They do not think the messes are a big deal. They don't see the jobs the way that I do. They don't, and yours probably doesn't either. Instead of waiting until I'm at the brink of a freakout, I pay attention to how I'm feeling and when I'm overwhelmed or feeling like I'm about to be overwhelmed, I ask for help, aka I delegate. I ask the kids, I ask my husband, I ask my team, I ask my friends, I ask my family. I ask for help from the people around me. It is okay to ask for help when you need it. People want to help. Just like you want to help people in your life, they want to help you too. People want to be there to support you. You just have to get comfortable identifying what you need and asking for what you need. The key here is to notice the feeling before it happens and before you're depleted and overwhelmed. I don't know where I read this, but I read it somewhere on the internet. It's like asking for help doesn't mean that you're weak. It means that you're strong. And this is such a proactive approach. Again, don't wait until you're on the brink of a freaking breakdown to ask for help. Learn to recognize those signs in yourself and get a handle on the situation. Now remember, it doesn't need to be done exactly the way that you need it to be done. Let go of that perfectionist tendency, get the help. It doesn't matter. The way the kids unload the dishwasher or how they put laundry away or just however they do any of the jobs that I ask them to do, it is not as good as I would do it, but it's done. It is done and done is better than perfect. So ask for help when you need it. To the second thing that's been huge for me is becoming aware of my codependent tendencies. And you're like, oh my gosh, codependent tendencies. Like we are diving into this today. Yes, it got deep really freaking quick. And I remember the first time I heard about codependency and I didn't feel like it related to me. And then the more I dove into the topic, I was like, wow, I, uh, I have a problem. <laughs> this is definitely a problem for me. In the exclusive community, I did an interview with Shelly Ware. She's a family therapist and a step family coach all about codependency and how to stop being a codependent stepmom. And I'm going to link the interview for you guys. If you're in the community, I highly recommend having a listen, but here's the definition. A codependent is someone who cannot function on their own and whose thinking and behavior is instead organized around another person process or substance. Many codependents place lower priority on their needs while being excessively preoccupied with the needs of others. I'm going to say that again and listen carefully because I feel like many listeners are going to be like, whoa, shit. Many codependents place a lower priority on their own needs while being excessively preoccupied with the needs of others. Examples of a codependent stepmom will do anything for their partner, even at the expense of themselves. Feel constant pressure and anxiety about making their partner happy and being the best stepmom they can. Devote all their time and energy to stepmom life and stop doing the things they love. Feels guilty about thinking of themselves in the relationship. They don't express their own wants or needs. Codependent stepmoms have a huge focus on solving their partner's problems. And hey, this is not just about stepmom life. A lot of moms have this too. A lot of people have this too. And for the longest time, this has actually been the definition of motherhood. This is what a good mom should do, but it's wrong. And it's toxic. Self-sacrifice does not make you a better mom. You do not want to raise girls who think that their worth is tied up in self-sacrifice. And then in order to be a good mom, wife, or stepmom, they need to sacrifice themselves and their own needs. You also don't want to raise boys who turn into men who have that expectation of women. This is how we change the conversation and the expectations in our society. Self-care for me right now is being conscious of my codependent tendencies, of my tendencies for self-sacrificing behaviors, not just in my family, but in my relationships with others. I have always been the person to get involved in my family's struggles, to come in and save the day or take control of the situation. I've done it with my dad, with my sisters, with my best friends. This is ingrained in me growing up. And it started as early as in my child, like when I was like eight years old, when I was a child. And it has been a really hard habit to break. As a child, I'd try to solve my dad's issues. I grew up with my a single dad and, you know, I basically was parentified and tried to make sure that he was okay and try to kind of shelter him from any pain and suffering and whatever I remember sitting at a table with a boyfriend before I was with Darren and working on his applications for jobs and revamping his resume. Like, why the hell was I doing that? I did it with my sisters. If they had issues in their relationships or like with their friendships, I would be the one to go get involved. And then with Darren and the kids, I dove into that too. I was like the definition of codependency. I don't do that anymore though, because it left me feeling depleted. It left me feeling so depleted and it took my anxiety to another level. And this is how I look at step parenting and actually all relationships. Now I am here to support you in solving your problems, but I am not here to solve them for you. I will not care about your problem more than you do period. I'm also not going to solve your problem for you. My energy is for me. I am an empath. So I take on people's energy. I make sure now that I'm not taking on other people's stress because it takes away from the energy I have for the things that really matter in my life. And I've learned that there's a difference between being supportive and empathetic and empowering people and making their issues my own. And in episode 94, I think it's called Improved Step Family Relationships with the Enneogram, uh, with Sarah Jane Case. She's an Enneogram expert and author. She is freaking amazing. So be sure to listen to that episode. I talked about High 8 on the Enneogram. So my personality style, like I'm blunt. I'm to the point. I solve problems right away. I want to like solve things, move on, get it done. Like, let's just dive right in. And it's very stressful for me in life when people who ask me for support or people who I decide need my support, don't tackle their issues head on and just solve their problems. It causes me so much stress and anxiety. It drains me. And I take all their emotions on as my own. And I cannot do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. This has been a huge learning piece for me and my husband's co-parenting and legal issues and just stuff that's come up from his first family. I want to solve all the issues with his ex for him. So there were times where I jumped in and I inserted myself in the past and sometimes it worked. Other times it was a waste of time. My intentions were good. I was trying to minimize conflict and, and take control of the situation and solve problems But in the end, it heightened my anxiety and my stress. It left me feel depleted. And you can't fix what you didn't break. Like you can't actually fix someone else's problem. And if you actually read the article in my online magazine in April 2021, obviously it's 2021 as I record this issue, I talked about my codependent behaviors and my husband's legal battles and how letting go has been the hardest but most freeing thing for me. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to make ourselves a priority. We can't care about other people's problems more than we care about our own. Number three, saying that doesn't work for me right now. Again, really big on protecting my energy. I'm an introvert. At certain social events, it can leave me feeling drained. When we have social events or like back to back or before COVID, when we would go to conferences, I would be depleted, I really thrive when I have a lot of alone time and I do need alone time in between social events to just recharge. And there are people who don't understand that and that's totally okay. But there are times when my husband wanna go do something or we're invited somewhere and I'm okay with saying no now. I'm okay with being like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna read tonight, you go. I'm gonna chill out, I'm gonna unplug. I'm totally okay with backing out of plans or saying no to missing out on a big night to protect my energy. If I don't wanna do it, I'm probably not gonna do it. And I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but I think it's because a lot of people are afraid to have that boundary. They worry about what other people will think. They don't want to disappoint other people. They don't want to miss out, whatever. But the older I get, the more I see how backwards that is because you have to, again, protect your energy. And we shouldn't give ourselves to situations and things that we don't actually want to do, right? Like it is okay to say, no, sorry, that doesn't work for me right now. Just that social pressure. I'm not into it. All right. Next thing is, is I do it myself. Uh, and this is going to be confusing to some people. And in some ways it does contradict some of the things I've said above, but there are times when something happens and something comes up and instead of waiting for someone else to do it or solve their own problem or do their chore, I'll just take care of it myself. I weigh the energy that I will spend waiting or being annoyed with what would happen if I just did it myself. So it's a process there. You have to decide what's worth it. If it's not worth the nagging, aka asking a thousand times, it's often not worth the annoyance. For example, when we go away, my husband delays unpacking his bag at all costs. At any given time, there I swear to God, guys, there could be a duffel bag with clothes beside our bed, and it makes me freaking wild. It's like, unpack your shit, please. Can you please just put your shit away? On the same note, again, his definition of a clean kitchen is not the same as my definition of a clean kitchen. He doesn't think he needs to tackle the dishes right away. He will get to them, but I'm like, let's just get shit done. Things that bother me don't bother him, and that's okay. And I have a choice in these situations. And in that Enneagram podcast with Sarah Jane Case, she talked about action forward versus action repressed people. And in these situations, he's an action repressed type and I'm an action forward. So I'm like, let's do it. And he's like, let's chill out. So I have a choice. I can ask him 30 times to unpack his freaking bag, wait for him to do it, get annoyed every time I walk by when it's not done, or I can take five minutes and do it myself and save all of that energy and the vibe in our house. It's my priority and it's not him. And I have to decide what's best use of my energy. And often it is just freaking doing it myself. Number four, I have a this can wait attitude. And I used to have this idea, and I think this was is when I, or was when, I was in that stage in life where I was trying to be the perfect stepmom and just showing everyone that everything was perfect here and all the pressure that I was putting on myself. But I used to have this idea that in order to go to bed, laundry should be done. The kitchen should be clean, The job should be done. And the truth is, like you, I could go, go, go all day and nothing is quote unquote done. There's always something to do. So I started prioritizing rest more than I used to. There are days when the kitchen is trashed and you know, I forgot to load the dishwasher midday and we have a backlog of dishes. And before I would not go to bed until the dishes are done. And now I'm like, you know, I'll tackle that tomorrow. That's okay. There's laundry all over the floor or emails that didn't get responded to. I'll say, this can wait. I'm done. I'm done with the day. I can wait till tomorrow. I pay attention to how I feel. And if I'm done, I'm done. I rest. I read a book. I watch a show. I journal. I have a cocktail with my husband and unwind. That right there is self-care. Listening to yourself and what you need in a moment and forgetting about the shoulds and the coulds and giving yourself what you need. So that is the big question that I ask myself. What do I need right now? The next thing is alone time. And this is something that Darren and I are both really good at recognizing in the other person and asking for. So Darren can tell when I really need some alone time and when I really need some alone time I feel safe to ask him for that and vice versa. Now this isn't always possible and we are definitely blessed to have a cottage nearby that we can retreat to but often Darren will say hey do you need a night or two alone like I'm feeling like you might need a little bit of a break and he will take Reese and go to the cottage and I'll stay at home and work and read and watch Dateline and you know, have a glass of wine and it's it's glorious. I just kind of hang out by myself while my daughter is with my husband. Now this doesn't have to be a separate location though. It doesn't have to be for two days. You could do it in your home too. One of you could just be on kid duty and the other one is like totally off duty. And again, on the flip side I do this for him too, I can tell when he needs a break or he asks me when he needs a break and we give each other extended periods of time alone. Now, he's an extrovert, so he likes to be around people. So his self-care can come in the form of boys' weekends and you know socializing and that kind of stuff. That's how he recharges. Um, but for me, it's all about taking that time alone. But this is super important in our relationship and our self-care regimes because when you spend time alone, the noise gets shut off. Everything becomes clear. And you know I know for me, I get more motivated. I get more perspective. I have time to... Just reset. And honestly, there's something really therapeutic about being able to binge watch past episodes of Grey's Anatomy and like sleeping in or waking up early and just like being totally by yourself. Like it's just, I think we need to start giving ourselves more permission to do that kind of stuff without feeling guilty, like we're a bad mom or stepmom for taking time alone. You are not a bad mom or stepmom for taking time alone. Like, please, let's let's change that dialogue. Number six is perspective and not caring what other people think. I think a lot of people can get bogged down and feel pressure based on how they appear or what people think of them or what people may think of them. And I, I read this online a while back and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I don't care about someone's opinion of me or what I am or am not doing. Unless I would switch spots with them, unless they have achieved something that I want to achieve or living the life that I would love. Like, don't take advice from someone who is doing less than you. So for me, if they have achieved things that I want to achieve or living a life that I would love to have, I am open to all the suggestions in the world. Like, let's have conversations. Like, I do care what you think. I'm, I'm happy to have, you know, that type of conversation. But if they aren't, I don't care about their opinion. I don't care if they think I'm lazy for having someone who helps us with jobs and cleaning around the house. This is a huge shout out to Kim. You are the glue that keeps us together, and we love you so so much. I don't care if they think I work too much. I don't care if they think that my dreams are too crazy. I don't care if they are mad that I said no to something that they think I should have said yes to. I don't care if they disagree how we raise our kids. I don't care if they disagree with my priorities. You know what? Actually, this is not true. It's not totally true. We are human. When I get feedback or criticism initially, I'm like, wow, that kind of felt like a punch in the stomach or that kind of hurt. But then I take a step back and this is where the self-care comes in. I reflect on whether this is advice that is useful for me or toxic. Again, do not take advice or care about the opinion of someone who is not living the type of life that you want to live. We all have different priorities and different dreams and different needs. We all have different wounds and traumas and shit we need to deal with from our childhood. We are all on different paths and we're all at different stages in our own personal evolution. So self-care may look different for someone else than it does for you. Again, there was a time in my life where self-care was basically walking around Target for an hour with Reese in a stroller. And that's what I needed to do. During the day to feel my best. Like that was literally what self-care was for me during that early baby stage when I had Reese and then the four kids, like, well, three older kids, like, man, it was a gong show. But now it's journaling and diving into past trauma and investing in coaching and saying no to a party. There's nothing wrong if your basis for your self-care is around the question, what do I need right now? Okay. What do I need right now? And your journey with self-care, Ken and Will and should evolve. It's like self-care is, it's just a mindset. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I want to go back to something that I said at the very beginning. Self-sacrifice does not make you a better mom or stepmom. You do not want to raise girls who think that their worth is tied up in self-sacrifice and that in order to be a good mom, wife, or stepmom, they need to sacrifice themselves and their own needs. You also don't want to raise boys who have that expectation of women. This is how we change the conversation and the expectations in our society. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this one resonated with you. I hope that you got so much out of it because it is such an important conversation. Now more than ever, it is important to assure we're taking care of ourselves and making ourselves a priority I had some resistance recording it, but now that I have, I'm so excited for you to hear and hopefully implement some of these mindset shifts and different strategies into your own self-care blueprint. As always, if it resonates, please, please, please share it with someone who you think it would also resonate with, leave a rating and a review. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so that you are updated when a new episode is released. Now, if you are craving more and are looking for more support and more resources, be sure to check out everything that I have up on jamiescrimger.com. Not only are there hundreds of blog posts and episodes, you can check out the exclusive stepmom community, which is my membership site for stepmoms. It's where we have unfiltered conversations. There's tell-all podcast episodes, interviews with all the top step family experts. There's a private forum where you can ask me anything and connect with stepmoms from all over the world. And each month, you can also listen in on a one-on-one coaching call with a fellow stepmom from the community. You can also apply to be that stepmom if you are looking to have a free coaching call. Now, this is a safe place off social media where you can connect and have real conversations and get tips and strategies. And most importantly, learn that you're not alone. It's all about the connection and the community. So if you are craving more and looking to uplevel your stepfamily life, we would love to have you join a forward slash membership for all the details. Thank you so much. I appreciate you more than you know. I'll chat with you guys in the next one.